You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 573 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and it is uh, very late into the night here on Tuesday into Wednesday. A big day for the Hawks and not a great day for the Hawks, um, all things considered. I guess it could have been worse, uh, theoretically, but uh, this is one of the worst-case scenarios for Atlanta overall in the uh, 2019 NBA Draft Lottery. Obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you probably know that at this point in time, but the end result of the lottery was the Hawks landing at number 8 overall. With their own pick, uh, on the slightly brighter side, they got the number 10 pick from Dallas, which I said before the draft, I, I would rather have the pick convey this year, and that did happen, so that's a slightly positive result in my opinion. It could have been as high as number 9, but number 10 is not a disaster by any stretch of the imagination, and that's uh, the one positive of the evening. Still, you know, coming into the night, the Hawks could not fall war- further than number 9 overall with their own pick, and even then, there was a 0.6% chance of that pick falling to number 9 and number eight was pretty unlikely in itself. An 8.8% chance of it going into number eight overall, and uh, that ended up happening. So basically the Hawks would have had about a 91% chance to pick in the top seven with their own pick, and that did not happen. They fell outside the top seven, they're at number eight overall, and that um, is pretty brutal in itself. Uh, even the Dallas pick was somewhat unlikely, honestly, because you know coming into the night, the Dallas pick had a, about a 76% chance of conveying, but only a 24% chance of it landing at number 10. The, the far more likely scenario was that going to number nine, number nine overall. So even that was uh, unlucky in some ways for the Hawks. Um, So all that said, it was not great. Obviously, you know, coming into the night, you would have known that um, winning the lottery itself was not going to be a likely outcome, uh, despite all of the positive juju that was out there. There are a lot of people that were really excited, you know, both in Atlanta and really across the league. I, I made a couple of tweets during the day on Tuesday about sort of the uncomfortable factor of this Hawks team um, being supported nationally. Uh, it's a very rare thing when that happens. You know, aside from the 2015 season when they won 60 games and kind of captured the hearts of a lot of diehards across the country, there isn't a ton of uh, precedent for the Hawks uh, sort of gaining that national traction in my lifetime. Obviously, when dating back to Dominique years, and there have been brief times along the way when they've been sort of a national factor, but uh, for the most part, it's been a local phenomenon and to see a lot of people supporting the Hawks uh, before the draft was actually pretty cool honestly uh, that, that of course did not happen uh, in advance of the lottery because they did not get, uh, win the lottery but uh, Chris Kirchner kind of poured salt in the wound over the, at the Athletic he's just doing his job by the way but uh, he reported that he, he, was, he was actually in the room he reported that the Hawks were only uh, one digit off and winning the lottery outright so to go from number one to number eight is pretty brutal in a lot of different ways, but uh, you know, just sim- simply put here, I don't want to belabor the point too, too much. It was a pretty disastrous scenario. Obviously, it could have been worse because theoretically the Hawks could have gone to nine and then also lost the Dallas pick, but eight and ten was certainly a bottom 10% outcome of what the Hawks could have had coming into the day, and that can't be sugarcoated. I did write after the after the draft a little brief thing on PeacherHoops.com, just kind of outlining that it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, the Hawks are still in a great position. This has not changed that. It does affect them negatively in the fact that I 
I think, you know, even in this draft, that's pretty flat. You would have wanted to pick, uh, you know, at four five, six, even seven ahead of eight because of just the, all the factors in play. And we'll talk more about that as we get going here. But, you know, end result, just big picture wise, eight and 10 is where the Hawks will be drafting. And now we'll be looking through that through the prism of what's going to be transpiring in the, in the coming weeks here. Um, you know, other than that, I will take you through some scenarios that I think just first thoughts as to what's going to happen in the future or what could happen or what I would probably recommend happening. There's a lot of momentum and a lot of movement that will happen between now and the draft. Talking about five weeks and two days between now and draft night. That's a lot of time for things to change quite a bit. For instance, there'll be a guy or two that rises quite a bit and there'll be a guy that, a guy or two that, that falls based on injuries or bad workouts or something weird like that. So it's all fluid and that's important to note at this early stage. But, um, you know, for instance, my, my top line thoughts on players at this point in time is that this probably, I will say, I will say this again, probably, not definitely, but probably takes guys like Jarrett Culver of Texas Tech and DeAndre Hunter of Virginia off the table. It's not impossible. For instance, there's already been a mock draft that I saw from Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated that had DeAndre Hunter falling to number eight overall. It's not impossible by any stretch of the imagination. I would say, though, just for, I guess, being realistic, I would recommend to Hawks fans that um, if that happens and one of those guys falls to number eight, that's a very nice bonus. I would not expect it. I, I would say I would, I would expect those guys to be off the board at that point in time, and they've been widely projected to the Hawks um, because of the fact that, you know, coming into the draft, the Hawks were projected in pre-mock draft stuff in, at number five because that's kind of the way you had to do it. And Hunter and Culver were almost always in that range, and they were – I guess, you know, projected the Hawks quite a bit by a lot of different people. Now at number eight, it's not impossible, but those two guys are probably off the table at this point in time, at least in my mind. Um, that is going to lead to a lot of Cam Reddish talk, I think. Uh, it is possible that teams could fall in love with him and take him over Culver or Hunter. For me, he is behind those guys and probably won't be changing that in the near future. Um, but Reddish has already been a, a very popular mock target in the last hour since the mock draft started coming out for the Hawks, and he's been tied to the Hawks multiple times. I have heard that the Hawks like him. That's been reported by some people. Chris Kirchner, I've said it as well. I can't remember who else, but a couple people have said that. And uh, not, not a big surprise. He's, he's very schlanky in a lot of ways. So that'll be a, a very popular name between now and uh, June 20th. But aside from that, you're talking about guys who were seen as second as secondary prospects coming into the night, of course. Um, guys like Brandon Clark and Bull Bull and Jackson Hayes and Nasir Little and Sekou Nimboya, Goga Bidzatsi, I can't, I, can't, I can't say his name. Those are the kind of guys you're going to be hearing in the near future and that are being mocked to the Hawks at this point in time. So we will not spend too much time on those players right now because I have you know five weeks to cover and a lot of guests to cover and talk about uh, all the guys who were theoretically in Atlanta's range, but... Simply put, it's a different caliber of prospect on paper than you might expect it um, coming into the draft. Still, I, I will say this now and I'll say it again later in the podcast, I think I would imagine, but um, this is a draft that I think is fairly flat. So, you know, for me, it was a very, very clear number one in Zion Williamson, a pretty clear number two in John Morant. I think RJ Barrett was probably number three consensus wise, and I think I'm lower on him than most, but I think he's a, a worthy top three or four pick in this draft. And after that, Things get kind of flat. I would certainly prefer guys like Culver and Hunter and even, uh, you know, sort of in a non-Hawks way, uh, Darius Garland would be up there on the list as well. But 
um, it's still pretty flat after three or four for me um, for a while. And that make that makes it interesting in a lot of ways because I've all I've been on the record for you know the last several weeks and months and saying that I would almost trade down from any draft slot outside of number one in this class. And I definitely still agree with that. There's been a lot of people asking me already, um, and with good reason, they're probably already attached to DeAndre Hunter or Jarrett Culver. Like, could the Hawks trade up? And certainly they could trade up. I would not recommend that in a vacuum. I do think that Culver and Hunter are better than the prospects that I just talked about, whether it be Reddish or the other guys. But trading up in this draft, a draft that I don't think is uh, flush with uh, top-end talent, even Culver and Hunter, I think, are more reasonably, reasonably projected as role players. Culver has some more upside offensively, I would say. But there's a, a lot of work to be done there. And I, in general, I would not want, want to trade up in this class in a vacuum. It's not impossible, but for me, the value in this draft is going down and accumulating more assets, not up. And that is a very interesting scenario, given that the Hawks are already lower than they were supposed to be coming into the night. So all that to say, there's plenty of movement coming in the future. I will take a break here and I'll come back in just a few seconds with more on the Hawks. But please subscribe to this podcast. Please tell a friend about this podcast. We'll be back again in just a few seconds. Okay, we're back. And, uh, you know... Doom and gloom is probably the way of the the way of the world right now in Hawksland. I totally understand that, but we'll I'll talk more about what, what's going on here. There was some interesting maneuvering because I talked about Jarrett Culver a few minutes ago. Um, before the draft even uh, before the lottery even happened, I should say Sean Devaney of uh, Sporting News reported that the Hawks were uh, not in the John Moran camp because of the uh, Trey Young connection and that they had landed number two. They were not going to take John Morant. That's of course off the table now. But the interesting part about that is that. Um, Devaney reported that the Hawks, quote, favor Texas Tech Wayne Jarrett Culver, believing that his blend of athleticism and defensive prowess will make for a smooth transition to the league and that he can develop a three-point shot to be effective in the NBA, end quote. So, you know, I, I mentioned previously that the Hawks have been tied to Cam Reddish in the past. That was the first public thing that I had seen reported about Jarrett Culver. And if the Hawks were to fall in love with someone like Culver, they could trade up. So going back to what I was saying before the break, they could certainly have the assets, you know, eight and 10 doesn't get you necessarily up to, you know, two or three, but it probably gets you into that four or five conversation. If you want to draft, if you want to use both first round picks, I would not do that, frankly, um, even for Culver, who I personally have at number three on my Hawks board ahead of Jer- ahead of RJ Barrett. I think I, I would prefer Culver to Barrett for the Hawks only. Um, still, I would not be willing to draft, um, sorry, be willing to trade both of these top 10 picks for one guy, unless that guy was Zion and that guy and that ship has sailed basically. Uh, with the Hawks being this far down, I just can't imagine a scenario where that where the Hawks will be trading up to get Zion Williamson. My apologies to the fans, but that seems wildly unlikely now from where the Hawks are um, to go all the way up to one. So, all that to say, you know, Culver, it was just an interesting wrinkle that I wanted to pass along. It doesn't really matter in terms of the overall stature right now as for the Morant angle, but the Culver angle could come back into play in the very, very near future. So, uh, you know, by the way, one more thing that I wanted to say about, about mock drafts. I mentioned the one before from Jeremy Woods, Sports Illustrated, who's a, uh, a very good writer and very good uh, draft analyst. The two, um, I, I would say, probably most prominent and most cited mock drafts that are out there are ESPN and The Athletic. ESPN, Jonathan Gavoni, and The Athletic, Sam Bassini. Sam's been on this podcast. Sam's a friend of mine, so I, I, will, I will go ahead and uh, disclose that now. With that said, those two, those two guys had the exact same pairing projected for the Hawks in the early going here, and that was Cam Reddish at 8 and Jackson Hayes at 10. Um, that would not be my ideal pairing, but it's a reasonable one in my, in my view. I have Hayes as my um, number one overall in terms of true centers. Now, I would not 
be prioritizing a true center necessarily, but there are some Hawks fans that want a true center. And if you want a true center, the guy that I probably draft is Jackson Hayes. I don't have him as the guy that I would take at number 10. Just keep that in mind. Um, and reddish number eight is not a huge surprise for reasons I said before. And uh, again, this is very fluid, but I thought it was pretty interesting that both those two guys who are very plugged into the league, it's not only their opinion, their opinions, they're definitely using some intel there to land on the same two guys. So that's worth keeping in mind as we move forward here. So, um, you know, we can talk about players all, all day long, but I would say big picture, um, this is a bad night for the Hawks. There's no question about that. There's no way to sell around that. I know that a lot of people have been responding to uh, various tweets and uh, asking me questions and just, you know, citing the fact that Travis Schlenk has been able to nail later draft picks so far. And that's definitely true. Like he's nailed the John Collins pick. He nailed the Kevin Herter pick, even the Trey Young trade down. All that worked out very well for the Hawks on paper so far. So, it's not, I mean, if you're looking for some comfort in, in Travis Lang's draft, tra- draft track record, that's probably a good thing to see because he's been very good at this so far. With that said, you still rather be picking five or six than you would p- p- be picking an eight. Even if you, uh, you know, all the caveats out there, I said this on the last podcast, but the Hawks were always more likely to draft outside the top four or actually outside the top five than inside the top five. That is worth pointing out. And again, still, you know, picking number eight was not expected. You know, six to eight doesn't seem like a huge drop-off, but at six, I could tell you with a pretty confident um, edge that the Hawks would be reasonably likely to get someone like Culver or Hunter. At eight, I can't tell you that. So, it does matter. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily uh, lock it in, lock anything in. In fact, if I was a Hawks fan, I'd be rooting really hard right now for both Darius Garland and Kobe White to go in the top seven picks. Those guys are point guards. They're Darius Garland out of Vanderbilt. Kobe White out of North Carolina. Those guys are not really uh, Hawks targets, in my opinion, in the top 10 because of their position and the fact that Trey Young exists. So if you're a Hawks fan, that's just one simple thing to root for in the next five weeks is that you want Darius Garland and you want Kobe White going to teams that are drafting ahead of you, which allows guys that you can more conceivably draft to fall down to or level, whether it be Reddish, if you love Reddish, or Hunter, or even Culver, which I, I think Culver is the least likely to get to eight, but that's just, that's just my personal opinion and what I've heard around the league. Anyway, um, it's just one of those things. There's a lot. There's a lot that's going to change. So to bring this thing full circle from earlier, a lot's going to change in the next five weeks. Uh, I guess it's about 37 days between now and the draft itself. But we will take you through all of that on this podcast. So please stay tuned for all of that information. It's not a great day for the Hawks. Just to, just to wrap things up a little bit, but. They still have two top ten picks. The Dallas pick is a small win, but it's definitely a win to get that pick now. That adds fuel to the fire. Um, Travis Schlenk has been willing in the past to trade. We've seen that. Uh, I will be, again, just as a Notes version, I'm more likely to uh, trade down than up in this class, but there is a way, especially if you factor in the fact that the Hawks have three second-round picks, which are now locked in at 35, 41, and 44. You could see those as sweeteners. Like, for instance, if you wanted to go from 8 to 7, maybe, you know, Maybe 8, 35, and 41 gets you to 7 or gets you to 6. It's not impossible. Um, I, I'm long, I'm, I'm uh, not exactly um, going to be the person that's going to be advocating for those picks getting you a ton of more capital in the uh, early portions of the, of the draft because just the, these top 10 lottery picks have so much value in second-round picks. I do like those second-round picks as, as assets, but they're not going to take you uh, huge heights in terms of trade value. But if you package that stuff together, you know, Torian Prince is an asset, et cetera, et cetera. There's all kinds of stuff that you can do if you fall in love with a player. But for me, the value in this draft is to either trade down or just take the best player available. And there's lots of guys that are going to be in play that we'll talk about much, much, much more between now and the draft. So at the end of the day, not a great not a great night for the Hawks. That goes without saying, but I would not be jumping off the building if you are a Hawks fan. I wrote about that. Uh, I think it's uh, something that I am predisposed to being a little bit more skeptical, a little, a little bit more negative. If you're a long-time listener of the podcast, you would certainly know that. 
with that said, I'm still looking at the bright side a little bit here. Um, it's not a situation where um, this is a good result in any way, but it's not a disaster, and the Dallas pick really, really helps to uh, offset some of, some of the nightmare scenario stuff when you drop from a projected of five down to eight. So all that to say, please subscribe to this podcast. It's a little bit shorter on this pod, I know, but uh, there wasn't so much to talk about other than the fact that the Hawks dropped off. And by the way, we have to fill five more weeks on this particular show. So we will have plenty of content. I already have at least four or five guests lined up for draft-specific podcasts. Also, I'll also have some uh, big-picture Hawk stuff to discuss with a few different people that are plugged in to the team. So please stay tuned for all of that. Subscribe to the show on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places that you like to listen to podcasts, we should be in all of those spots. If we're not there, please let me know that. I will get that fixed in a hurry. And uh, I guess uh, buckle up because there'll be plenty of draft content between now and the draft. Don't go away. There's five more weeks and we'll fill them all with quality um, look ahead stuff and analysis and, you know, opinions and et cetera, et cetera. So it'll be flying in this space. Please subscribe and we'll see everybody later on in the week.